Welcome to this Bible study series as we look at some of the useful tools to help us understand how we should read and interpret the Bible, also known as hermeneutics. Hermeneutics isn't just important for pastors and teachers, it's important for every single Christian that wants to read the Bible. Hermeneutics are the principles that govern the way in how you and I read the Bible. Right from the outset, let us make a statement that I hope would encourage you to stick with us in watching this study series. It is possible to study the Bible wrong. Now don't let that discourage you from reading your Bible, that's not the point I'm trying to make. What I want to show you quickly is that if we read the Bible incorrectly, then we can really mess up our theology, which means that we have an incorrect understanding of who God is and therefore our relationship with him. You see, bad hermeneutics are misapplied by false teachers all the time. The truth is, if read incorrectly, you can force the Bible to say whatever you want. This is why you have to be so careful with topical preaching and why we are such big supporters of expository preaching. Let me give you some examples. What would you say if I told you that the Bible made the statement, there is no God? I'm hoping you'll be shocked, but turn with me now to Psalm 14. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool in his heart says, there is no God. Do you feel tricked? Good. False teachers do this all the time, especially those prosperity type teachers that misapply Bible verses. This is called proof texting and it's possible to grab a pool of Bible verses out of context and affirm any sort of lie that you want. Let me give you another classic example with another Bible verse, this time from the Gospel of Luke. The verse I want us to look at is, so if you worship me, it will all be yours. Remarkably, this verse has found its way onto so many key rings, calendars and t-shirts. And wow, it's such a good encouraging verse, right? You can have everything you want if you just worship this person. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 4 verse 7 and then I hope you're sitting down. When we turn to Luke chapter 4, we can see that this verse is concerning the temptation of Jesus as he was tested in the wilderness. Satan is the one speaking here and he is testing our Lord to see if he will turn and worship him. The devil. Misinterpretation is all around us. That's the devil saying, if you worship me, it will all be yours. I'll give you a few moments so you can go and throw that tea cloth you might have with that Bible verse on it in the bin. Another popular verse that you see on t-shirts is Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. The verse reads, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Of course, for him here referred to is Jesus. This is a popular verse used by many to self-talk positivity whilst looking in the mirror before a job promotion interview or, or dreaming of becoming a professional football player. What's actually going on here? Let's do some hermeneutics and look at the context. This was one of 13 letters otherwise known as epistles written by the Apostle Paul and it's dated towards the end of a two-year prison stay in Rome. The recipient of this letter is the church he planted in Macedonia. So let's take a look at that verse again, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, does this verse mean that we can do anything and everything that we set our minds to? And is this how God wants us to understand this verse? The context of this verse focuses on a God-given power to endure any circumstance. The verse before this says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, the context of this verse, Paul here is talking about contentment, not abundance. Paul had faced times of abundance, yet it also faced many trials for his faith. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
Paul shared with us many of his sufferings up to that point. Five times he received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones and left for dead. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in an open sea. He'd been constantly on the move. He'd been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. He had laboured and toiled and had often gone without sleep. He had known hunger and he had known thirst. And he'd been cold and he'd been naked. But yet, Paul, despite these things, Paul believed and taught that he could persevere because he could do, and here's our verse, all things through him who gives him strength. Also, we need to note that the focus on the whole of the chapter, chapter 4, is what the believer can do through the strength that Christ gives. This is not a promise that Christians will have superpowers or they'll be invincible or immune to life challenges. Instead, the promise of Philippians chapter 4 is that we will have strength from the Lord to faithfully endure when the trials and difficulties arise in life. This passage is not about having financial abundance or amazing careers. False teachers will tell you that God will bless you financially if you are faithful, often around the subject of giving. But in contrast, Paul taught that the believer will endure suffering but can be content in any circumstance given Christ's strength. Just as Christ faithfully endured on the cross, his followers can faithfully endure the problems they face. In fact, if you read a couple of verses before, so this is Philippians 4 verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul was focusing on contentment, not abundance. I hope you're beginning to see why it's so important to understand the real meaning of the Bible verse and not just insert what we want it to mean. You see, these are not just simple mistakes that have no consequence. By misapplying God's word and taking what he has said out of context, we begin to distort the very nature of the correct character of God and also our relationship with him. I have seen the pain and confusion firsthand from people that claim Bible verses like the one that we've just been discussing and they believe that they can do anything. And then, whatever it was that they had their dreams fixed on whilst clutching to this Bible verse didn't materialise. They end up not only disappointed, but also looking around questioning their faith and also the authenticity of God's word. They feel like the carpet is pulled from under their feet. Misinterpretation and twisting of scripture is not only easy, it is unfortunately all too common. So I'm hoping that you're beginning to see that by you having the correct tools to enable you to study the Bible correctly, this is something that you will see as being crucial to you as you grow in your faith, knowledge and love for the Lord. Of course, I want to make the important point, this isn't downplaying the important role that the Holy Spirit plays when teaching you biblical truth whilst you read the Bible. Knowing how to study using good hermeneutics will give you great tools for the correct interpretation and also help you undo many of the bad habits that you would have no doubt picked up from our culture today. For example, it's a popular theme that we can read the text in a bit of a self-centred way, often reading the Bible as if you are David facing Goliath or Abraham or Moses or even taking prophecies that were about Israel and trying to apply these promises into your own life. So, what is this strange word hermeneutics? It is the art and science of biblical interpretation. Although it's a bit of a strange word, it isn't a word that you should find intimidating or a word that we should think only concerns pastors or Bible teachers. I'm hoping that by just a few of the examples that we've discussed, that you will see why this is also very important to every single Christian. So what are some of the principles we consider when we study hermeneutics? First, we consider the original biblical languages. The Old Testament was mainly written in Hebrew with a tiny bit of Aramaic and then the New Testament was written in Greek. 
That's the first thing we ponder as we read an English translation of our scripture. Next, we consider the genre or the style of writing that we're about to read. The Bible is a collection of 66 individual books made up of wisdom, songs, letters, poems, history, prophecy, biography. So it's important that before you read a passage, you understand what you're about to read. For example, you wouldn't read Song of Songs in the same way that you would read one of the Gospels, which is a biography of the life of Jesus. Then we look at the historical context. When in history this was written? Who was the human author? Who were they writing to? Who are the people mentioned? As well as looking at where this book actually fits into God's redemptive story told in the Bible. By knowing these things, this allows us to do the correct exegesis as we pull out of the text the correct meaning to allow us to understand what the author intended to say about the text. Knowing how to read your Bible is everything. When we read the Bible, we need to be able to discern the truth. You can't rely on your feelings and you will no doubt recognise this type of conversation. I'm sure you've all been part of a small group Bible study where a well-meaning church member will read a piece of scripture and then continue to apply what it's meant to them before then going around the room and saying, what does this mean to you? This is called eisegesis and is an inserting of someone's own meaning onto the text. This is so dangerous and also with no offence, who actually cares what scripture means to someone in your church? We want to know and understand what it means to God and how he intends us to understand and apply the text in our lives. Otherwise, we can end up knowing a caricature of God and almost recreate his nature in our mind. Eisegesis is inserting one's own opinions into the text and it's so common like we've just mentioned. Mainly because this type of subjective, postmodern stance where everyone has a valid opinion and whatever it means to you, then great, good for you. But by knowing how to read the Bible properly, you'll be able to protect yourself from false teaching and with the help of the Holy Spirit, apply the truth to your own life. One last thing we have to remember, the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. Let me say that again. We have to remember the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. As an example, when Paul was writing one of his epistles to the Galatian church, he was doing so with real people in mind, with real problems. So we have to understand the context, the human intended recipients of that letter. And by using and applying a correct study of hermeneutics, this allows us not only to get an insight into who the audience was, but also understand what we need to know about that message and how we should apply that in our lives today. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. We plan on producing one of these videos every couple of weeks as we look at different aspects of hermeneutics and Bible study tools each time. Remember to subscribe so that you can watch the next one. God bless you and thanks for listening.